got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F that. You don't got time to say. All right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. The Twitter sphere is going wild. Is Shohei Otani going to sign today? But guess what? Who? We don't care. I mean, I I sort of care, but like for today's episode of RCST, we don't care because we're talking oh, I KU Missouri. We gonna, I thought we were going to spend the next three hours intricately breaking down every possible not, option. A lot of flight tracking. We're going to do flight tracking live. Nope. We're going to you know everything. I thought that's what, I thought that was the plan. No, flight tracking for us, dude. Is reserved my whole day is my whole day coaches. of preparation for the show is ruined. I've spent the last eight hours looking up every possible angle of this, of this story. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We are brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, and we'll talk plenty of KU Mizzou today. We got some audio from Dewan Harris and Parker Brown. John Kirby of Jayhawk Slants going to join us in about 25 minutes from right now. We're going to break down KU football in the bowl game. We're going to talk recruiting, transfer portal, everything you could want KU football-wise with John. We get to Chiefs preview. We got some audio from the KU soccer coach who was introduced earlier this week, and uh, we haven't had time to, to get around to that, so we'll get to that. And we've got our game picks. Plenty to come on this edition of RCST, so it's a good thing we started five minutes early today. Um, so uh, our basketball previews are brought to you by College Basketball Analytics, and um, I uh, have been gifted a subscription to College Basketball Analytics. I am telling you, it is amazing. If you like Ken Palm, you will love College Basketball Analytics. Uh, you, you might see the shot charts going around on Twitter. Uh, maybe you've seen them before, but you don't know which website it's from. CBBanalytics.com is the place to go. They have everything you could want from your percentiles. It's it's formatted, so you have green and red to make sure it's easy for you know a novice like me to be like, oh, good at that, bad at that, right? Yeah, and dude, they have I mean, everything you could imagine. You know uh, that I'm bad at numbers. Yeah, so, you know, color coded colors stuff is, is easy. Is great for right? me. I can do colors. Um, but they have like shooting maps, like where a team shoots the most shots, where they shoot them well. They have different player lineups, what they do. They have on-offs, like everything that you could imagine for not just Kansas, but all sorts of teams. So check them out, cbbanalytics.com, and they are helping us preview this game. Uh, first question we always ask for game previews. Okay. How important is this game? Well, it's KU Missouri, so it's definitely you, fairly important. You normally say about December it's, basketball. It's normally fairly important from a rivalry standpoint. But, you know, Bill Self has touched on this already this week about how the fact that, you know, it's it's different playing them in December versus playing them in February where you're in the in the heat of a conference title race and you need to go win uh, against against that team, right? Or, or it's different when you're playing them at home, but you know in, you know, three weeks you're going to go to their place and it's going to be crazy there. You know, it's, it's just it's, – it's different, right? It's, it's definitely not the same. And I don't think anybody is, is trying to make it seem – feel like it's the same or anything like that, but – uh, it's not different in really a bad way, right? It's just you still get to play your rival. You still get to, to you know, go out and, and, and have a have a fun time if you're going to win, which Kansas, FYI, they do win. Bill Self's 18-4 and four against Missouri uh, at Kansas, so uh, all he does is win against Missouri. But, uh, yeah, it's just a little different, you know, and, and uh, it was also touched on the fact that, listen, Ryan Haney talked about this. Students at KU 
I mean, they were like six years old the last time Kansas played Missouri in a meaningful conference game. Uh, so they don't necessarily have that uh, that history to draw upon, that historical knowledge to draw upon. But, you know, bringing Thomas Robinson back is really really awesome. That should definitely get the crowd fired up. Uh, so it's it's still an, it's an important game, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you you no matter what the circumstances are, no matter whether it's conference, non-conference, December, January, no matter what the situation is, you know you do not want to lose to one of your more bitter rivals on your home floor ever. So, I guess that makes it a very very important game <laughs> because you don't want to lose. Uh, so I, yeah, I don't I don't know, but regardless, I think the energy will certainly be there. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, finals for the students start next week, so they should all still, everyone should still be on campus. And yeah, I think to... uh, today would be stop day, right? Yeah, I guess so. If anything, they're yeah. going to be more. Well, I mean, it's about. I don't some, know, man. You might be hung over. Seriously, you certain, might be hung over yeah, rolling in. Some rolling students in take advantage of this weekend <laughs> to study. Many students do not. Listen, but yeah, the 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 attitude that I had when it came to stop day, when it came to situations like this, is. I pick one day on the weekend where I am not doing anything school related. Nothing. Okay. I'm going out. I'm hanging out with friends. I'm doing whatever, whatever I want for one day. But then the other days, got to lock in. You know, got to, got to, you know, got to take care of business. Got to make, got to make the parents proud. <laughs> yeah. Hey, C's get degrees, right? No, I, I, you know, <laughs> don't do that. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, this game is obviously, but you, you never want to lose to your rival. And yes, it will not have a, Whatever happens in this game will not have a huge uh, indication on your seed come March. It will not have a huge indication on whether you can or can't make a Final Four, can or can't win the title, or will have an impact on whether you will or won't win the Big 12 title. So none of that applies, but it still is Missouri. You, It doesn't matter what you play Missouri in. It yes. doesn't matter when you play them, where exactly. you play them. You want to beat the brakes off of them anytime you play them in anything. So, Correct. yes, yeah. this game is max importance despite none of those other things because, I mean, at the end of the day, like, that is what college athletics is kind of built on. I, I know it has with this, you know, new, all, all the conference shifting and NIL and everything. It has become such a nationalized sport, but, like, at the end of the day, that is the the roots, that is the bare bones of college athletics. It is oh, yeah. regional games. It is rivalry games. It is beating your opponents. Yes, very important. This yeah. So you can go to your gas station and you see somebody with some Missouri crap and be like, hey, you suck, we beat you. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. You know, something like that. Yeah. Uh, as far as the Missouri scouting report, they are ranked 80th on Ken Palm. They have two losses this season. One of them really tanked them on Ken Palm. So uh, they lost to Memphis by 15. Memphis is ranked 40th on Ken Palm. Um, then they lost to Jackson State. And that was yep. the big one that caught a lot of ire for them. Jackson State is 262nd on Ken Palm. And uh, they have one other win. They're 2-6. and six. Missouri and then Arkansas State by four. So... Jackson State, obviously not a great team. Uh, The fact Missouri lost that by one does not bode well for them. Now, they do have wins over Minnesota, who's ranked 99th, uh, Wichita State, who's ranked 100th, and at Pittsburgh, who's ranked 47th. So I do actually think they're better than their 80th rating. I view them closer to being probably like a top 60 team, somewhere in that range. Yeah. Uh, Still, though, that that means this is a game that that you should probably win. Uh, They're 84th on both offense and defense on Ken Palm. As far as the things that they do well, 
Um, they shoot the ball well on two-point shots because they have a well-spaced floor. It's a lot of little guards out there, a lot of guys who can shoot the ball. Even their center can shoot the ball. They kind of have a matchup problem for a lot of teams with their four-man because he's kind of this 6'6", 235-pound bowling ball. In Noah Carter has been really good this year. Good news for Kansas. They have a good matchup for that. Um, but, yeah, so, th- so they space the floor well. It gets them easy looks from two with driving lanes and, and easy buckets inside. Uh, they're top 60 in the country in two-point percentage. They're also 90th in the country in three-point percentage at 35.4%. So good so numbers there. Slightly above average. Yeah. But what makes them dangerous, they are 21st in the country in the amount of shots they're taking from three. So they're they're solid at efficiency, but with high volume, that is dangerous because that means any given night they could put up 30, 35, three-point attempts and hit 14 of them, hit 15 of them. You know what I mean? So yeah. that is a little bit scary. So those are things they do well. They shoot well at the free throw line. Just overall good shooting team for Missouri. On the defense side of the ball, they force a ton of steals. Top 15 in the country in steal rate. They get a bunch of blocks. They are second in the country in block rate. So this is a very chaotic defensive team. Um, pretty good at two-point defense, pretty good at three-point defense. If you're looking at some of the weaknesses, some of the things they don't do as well, they are not a good rebounding team at either end, not a good offensive rebounding team, not a good defensive rebounding team. They don't get to the free throw line very often, which kind of makes sense given their style of play, taking a lot of jump shots in there. And uh, they're not really a team that, um, as much as the two-point and the three-point defense has been okay this year, top 100 in both, I do view it as like if you can avoid their pressure defenses you are going to get some open looks out of it we saw that last year when Kansas was able to break the press they did get some open looks so those are the things to kind of watch out for uh in this game and like I said as far as like the player personnel some names that you'll recognize from other teams maybe Connor Vanover 7-5 center was at Oral Roberts he shoots threes he blocks shots uh they've got Caleb Grill the former Iowa State player who has had some tough games against Kansas to say the least that's some uh, bad shooting games (laughs) but he is a shooter Tamar Bates former uh from Piper High School went to Indiana for a few years he's a shooter and then uh yeah some of the other players to watch I mentioned Noah Carter Sean East is putting up almost 17 points per game yeah it's kind of funny because you go back to when Missouri lost that game against Jackson State and after that game I I don't know about you Derek but for me I just kind of like I was like okay Missouri sucks that's it (laughs) that's all I need to know right they've won four games in a row and you mentioned they went on the road and beat a, a pretty good Pittsburgh team they beat Wichita State so they they seem to have Bounced back, at least, from that Jackson State loss, right? It didn't seem to derail them too much. Uh, they've won four straight since then. So, you know, I don't I don't want to go look read too much into that Jackson State loss because they seem to have found themselves a little bit more. You mentioned Connor Vanover, who actually, I think, he kind of comes off the bench for them more often than not, mm-hmm. uh, but can be sort of that, you know, obviously interesting matchup considering his size and his ability to shoot. So uh, that's something to keep an eye on. But, but, yeah, I think this is a team that, like you said, probably a little bit better than their than their rating on uh, on Ken Palm. I, I think uh, that Jackson State loss hurt them a lot, but like I said, I, I feel like they've recovered from it. Um, Caleb Grill, as you said, should be a guy that Kansas fans recognize the name at least uh, from his time at Iowa State. But but yeah, I mean, per usual, this is a Kansas team that therefore that they have way better than what Missouri has, and per usual, the keys are going to be for Kansas to avoid foul trouble. And those guys on the floor should be able to, to dominate, right? Like Hunter Dickinson should be able to should be able to do his thing. That four matchup, I think, is actually pretty fascinating uh, between uh, KJ Adams and, uh, and and Noah Brown, and, yeah, and Brown, yeah. So, but and also that listen, they they or Noah Carter, yeah, Noah yeah. Carter, yeah. Uh, they've had some good they had some good guard play. Like Sean East is a guy that you mentioned. He's really come along as a leading scorer right now. 
Uh, and he's really, really seemed to have to found himself as well. So, I don't know. This is a Missouri team that seemed like they were in disarray after the Jackson State loss, but have quickly recovered. And uh, I'm sure they're they're coming in just like any other team comes down Fieldhouse and maybe with an even extra juice because of the fact because of the rivalry. But, you know, teams come down Fieldhouse and they recognize, hey, this is our this is our one chance, right? We can we can come in here and, and make history. You know, especially if you're Missouri coming in and winning this game. So Kansas obviously has to be ready for that. But yeah, I think if the Jayhawks stay out of foul trouble, Hunter Dickinson does his thing, KJ Adams does his thing, Kevin McCuller stays hot. I, I am curious. Kevin McCuller has been obviously an incredible offensive catalyst for Kansas over the past, you know, basically month or so essentially at this point. What happens if he has a cold game mm. from on the offense? Do they have enough other perimeter scores? Exactly. Yes. We haven't really seen that. Every, every game that he's needed to step up, he has and he's and he's been he's been outstanding. But I, you know, can you expect him to night in and night out be that level of a score from the perimeter and what happens if he is if he yeah. does go a little bit cold? Is that where a game does, that Dewan can score 15? Is that a yes. game that Omarco can score 12, right? Yeah, where, where does Kansas turn to at that point if that happens? So I'm not, I'm not saying I think that could happen against Missouri, but, I mean, it, it could happen in any game, I think, going forward. Just, just, it's just one of, the, one of those variables that I'm curious to see what Kansas would do if, if that were to happen because, mm-hmm. you know, Dewan is the guy that we've seen, you know, the classic, well, I'll shoot when I need to, whatever, right? And he, and he always connects. Hunter's been stepping out well. Johnny Furphy looks pretty good, but – you know, can can a guy like El Marco Jackson step up in that in that situation if it's necessary, uh, and and provide a little bit more from the perimeter? So, per usual, keep an eye on the bench as well for this game for Kansas. Furphy uh, has been the main guy, right? They played that basically that six man rotation against UConn. Does Timberlake have a chance at this point? McDowell, what what is his what does his role look like? Uh, and there was a comment from Bill Self earlier in the week that made it seem like to me. He was more interested in the idea of playing Parker Brown as a four next to Hunter Dickinson, uh, I, and it's just it's hard to do that because obviously you don't have anybody else to back up at that point if you're Kansas. So I'm kind of curious to see if there's more tinkering with that. And certainly, it's by all indications, I think Kansas is looking to possibly add somebody at semester. Uh, so I, you know, I, I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens with that. There is a uh, very, very, very interesting player from uh, a little school to the west of here that. Uh, has been going through some stuff and seemingly isn't. I think he entered the transfer portal today. Actually, yeah, uh, I, I'm Tomlin. just gonna cut the the. Yeah, off it's that a right now. that that's not gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, no, I I have seen some people, but yeah, I I would agree. It's given the circumstances, I don't see any reason why Ku would even possibly entertain that. But uh, you know, I don't know. So for this game specifically against Missouri, stay out of foul trouble, and uh, your four, your top four are better than Missouri's top four, and you can allow those guys to roll. Sure. Uh, I do think one thing's interesting about the perimeter scoring. So, Sean East is their starting point guard. Nick Honor, who's kind of a point guard, shooting guard combo, he'll slide over as the backup point guard. He'll play a lot of minutes at the two guard, too. And then Anthony Robinson uh, will also play some, like, two guard for them. Sean East, by Evan Miyakawa's website, is their worst defensive player of their 10 rotation players. Anthony Robinson is ninth, and then Nick Honors in the bottom five, too. That means that maybe there is an avenue for KU's two guards with Dewan Harrison and Marco Jackson to have big offensive games, or at the very least, be able to drive to the rim and set up assists for other players because they force help on the other end of the floor. So I yeah. do find that kind of interesting. Sean East here. is definitely a an offensive guy, yes. really. That's like his main prowess is going to be scoring the ball. Yeah, absolutely. So what scares you most that Missouri does well? I think what they do well is is they, they do have that chaos on defense. And listen, normally you'd say 
if you're playing a team like this, you'd say, okay, this is a game where Dewan is just going to do his thing and he will not let that stuff happen. But Marquette really, really got to Kansas, and they were playing, I would say, a similar style of defense against Kansas in, in the Maui Invitational of just, just, just guys running around with their hair on fire, you know, chaotic craziness, crazy defense, lots of pressure. Missouri can do that same thing. Obviously, I don't think they have the, the, the same level of talent that Marquette has to maybe execute that at, as a, at a high enough level. But just the fact that we saw a team do that to Kansas and and Dewan was kind of rattled by it. He wasn't really able to to settle things down on the offensive side for Kansas in that game against Marquette. Uh, that is a little bit of a concern, you know. If if Missouri is able to to maybe ramp up their pressure a little bit and and play that way, uh, but you know, there's a lot of differences. Obviously, this game's at Allenfield House, so Dewan's gonna have the crowd behind him. Uh, I would I would expect that that shouldn't be an issue for Dewan, but just the fact that we have seen it be an issue in one of Kansas's losses this season uh, does have me, or I guess Kansas only lost this season does have me uh, a little bit concerned not the right word, maybe just intrigued about the style of defense that Missouri plays and if that will affect the Kansas offense because it did affect Kansas offensively when a different team played that similar style on defense. Uh, so I'll be keeping an eye on that. You know, we, we've kind of we've kind of danced around the, danced around the conversation with Dewan about how there's been some areas where he just maybe hasn't quite quite been as sharp as we're used to seeing him. We talked about the steal rate uh, yesterday, and and again, I, I think there's not really a way to quantify this, but there's been games like the Marquette game specifically where it just it hasn't really feel like, felt like he's been in total control, like maybe we're used to him, we're used to seeing him in that way. So uh, I, I don't know, I don't really know what to do with that. But and here's another here's another game where you're going to be playing a defense that's going to probably try to play that similar style. Uh, I'm curious what to how Dewan and this Kansas offense handle that. Yep. Uh, I, I think, yeah, that that's a good thing of, of what would scare me most. As far as where I think KU has the edge, maybe it would be rebounding, maybe it's inside. I know they have Vanover at 7-5, but you know, KU gets a ton of shots at the rim, and, and it's just different playing uh, this Kansas team, if, if you're Missouri, than, than somebody else. I do think one thing that's interesting is, even though Missouri on paper to me is the better three-point shooting team, they take more of them, um, and, and they have a bunch of guys who can shoot them at good rates, is that KU has done a good job preventing corner threes most of the threes they've given up have been non-corner threes so basically you know where, where things are curving around the top uh in on the wing um and missouri shoots over 45 percent from three in the corner but they're only at 30 percent on threes above the break so if you can force them to not shoot them in the corner and have to shoot them up top that's a good sign for you and kansas has done that so far this season and then on the flip side missouri has actually given up a good amount of corner threes this year and you look at kansas corner been, threes is where they've had their their best yes. i mean they're shooting 42% so far this year uh this from cbb analytics on corner threes so yeah and you think about that could be good kevin McCuller and, and johnny furphy i mean immediately i can think of half a dozen three point shots that those guys have hit from the corners uh so yeah that's you're absolutely right about that the, the corner threes have, have been good for Kansas so far this season and and yeah I, I mean I, I don't know if it's with Hunter Dickinson the fact that maybe you it helps you in terms of forcing teams more to the middle of the floor but to your point Kansas has, has done a pretty good job of doing that uh KU wins if what yeah I think KU wins if they avoid foul trouble uh especially with KJ Adams and Hunter Dickinson and they they, they, they avoid foul trouble down low, and then they are able to limit their turnovers. I mean, like I said, this is a Missouri team that, you know, maybe they try to speed up Kansas and, and affect them offensively like we've seen Kansas be affected back in the Marquette game. The difference is, though, 
I just don't know that Missouri has the the prowess or has the talent maybe to fully capitalize on that. Like I could see Kansas maybe even still struggling a little bit offensively, and it just maybe doesn't matter just because I don't know that Missouri could be able to fully capitalize like a Marquette could. Uh, but foul trouble to me is the only thing that could totally derail this team right now. And you could say that uh, about them facing any opponent, right? So, but that's that to me is the biggest thing for for Kansas is stay out of that, and you should be good. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to take a timeout. We've got John Kirby of Jayhawk Slant joining us next to talk some KU football recruiting, transfer portal, bowl game, all that sort of stuff. Coming up next with John Kirby of Jayhawk Slant. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Well, it's a Friday here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk, and we're joined now by John Kirby of Jayhawk Slant and rivals. Uh, before we get into some of the, I guess, recruiting stuff and, and the bowl game for KU, uh, I guess the newest news for KU football in, involves the offensive coordinator, Jeff Grimes, is hired over to the program. I, I really liked the hire for KU. I thought, uh, I don't know, it's, it should be a good transition with some of the schematics and, and scheme stuff that he runs. Uh, obviously, you know, coming over from Baylor where uh, things didn't end well in that final year, though. So I, I guess what are your overall thoughts on, on KU bringing in Jeff Grimes to replace Andy Kotelnicki? Yeah, I, I love the hire, Derek. I, and, I, and I said this yesterday because when we put out, when, when I went in and put out who, who are some names to look at, right? So the, the first name would have been inside if Lance decided to stay inside Jim Zabrowski. And then I said if he goes outside, then I would look at the top two names I had was, was Grimes from Baylor. Um, number one, because I had heard some schools were already going after him the minute he became available, and then Paul Christ, and, and that's because Paul Christ and, and Leipold have a past relationship, and so you know Grimes, he knows the Big Twelve. Okay, he's really an O line guy, but in the last three years, he's coached tight ends at Baylor, so that makes him a real good fit at Kansas. He he knows the wide zone blocking scheme, so I think it's a great fit. I mean, but listen, this guy two years ago was the offensive coordinator of the year by football scoop. Okay. So in two years, you don't forget how to coach football. And this guy's been in a lot of good places, coached a lot of good offenses, been part of a lot of offenses that put up good numbers. So it's almost like <laughs> this happened for a reason for him to end up at KU. Cause I just don't know how many better fits would be out there for them to look at. Yeah, and uh, I, I think one of the immediate questions was afterwards, okay, Jim Zabrowski got bumped up to co-offensive coordinator. What does this necessarily mean to him? I, I don't think there's been a change in his title, at least as of yet. Uh, do you think this could be a, a co-offensive coordinator situation with Jeff Grimes? Like, would Zabrowski be the, the pass game coordinator? Grimes is, is the run game coordinator? I, 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 do you expect Grimes to be calling plays? Well, I would expect Grimes to be calling plays. I mean, number one, based off of his title. Number two, given B, he's also given the assistant head coach. So I've got to think that, you know, he, he listen, he, he had chances to go other places too. So I, I don't think he takes this job without having that. And then Jim Zabrowski can help with a lot of things. I mean, he can work side by side with him. Zabrowski's been in the system that Andy Kotelnicki put in place that's been successful. So there's a sounding board to say, hey, here's some things that have worked well for us. Here's some things that haven't. And Zabrowski can also bridge things together of telling them about the players, you know, behind the scenes, you know, a little bit about each kid. Each kid's different. And that's one of the things that Zabrowski can help him out with a lot of, 
hey, listen, you know, this kid's struggling here because he might have this going on, or, hey, this guy's always done this well for us in this scheme. So I think it's a great fit, Derek, and I don't know that there's many better better ways that this could have ended up. Yeah, so uh, I, I guess it's seamless fit and everything like that, and you mentioned he's he's – I don't know, done well in recruiting uh, with the offensive line and everything like that. Uh, but obviously he was the tight ends coach at, at Baylor. Um, I, I know he has a son who plays tight end and was committed to Baylor. Is that something that you think KU would kick the tires on? But I, I know they're pretty, I don't know, full up on, on tight ends and, and are interested in a couple guys in the portal. Well, I think they will. And, and I think the kid's a really good player after watching his film. I got to tell you, from what I saw, I liked him on defense. I mean, he's a big, big athletic kid for that size. And when I watched his clips, I'm going, man, I'm watching this guy going, I think he grades out as a Division One player on the defensive side of the ball. So I was just kind of looking at that, and I'm going, man, you could take him and put him anywhere. Because, I mean, he's like 6'6", 240 pounds. I mean, he can do a lot of things down the road. Well, uh, speaking of some of the recruiting stuff, I I know you guys at your site with Rivals just updated the recruiting rankings, and KU now has four four four-star recruits. How rare is that? How rare is that to happen? And and even some of the guys, too, who aren't four-stars who are, like, right on the edge, like an Isaiah Marshall. How how good of a class is this, and and how rare is that for KU to have that many four-stars in the class? Well, what's crazy is, Derek, for about about a half an hour, they had five four-stars, and then one of the guys got bumped down. So... I've been covering the recruiting for KU since 1999, and I've got to go back over all my records. But I don't ever remember ever that a high school class had four four stars in the same class. That's never happened. And not only that, a bunch of guys right on the border of being a four star. I mean, you know, Isaiah Marshall just got bumped to a five seven, which is it's one decimal away from being a four-star, and he came in now. He's the 14th-ranked dual-threat quarterback in the country. So, you know, there's a lot of guys that are right on that bubble, too. Yeah, I find that very interesting. And then what makes it even crazier is that, what is it, 14 kids or 15 kids, something like that, that are actually committed? I mean, when you're comparing some of these other classes, and if you are going back and if you do look at class, say, in 2006 or 2010 – uh, the fact that they've gotten this many with that few commitments, I, I think, makes it even more incredible, does it not? Are, are you talking about because they don't really have the numbers right, like some right. of the other teams? Like, did? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's well, not and the so, quantity. Derek, if you go and look at the, if you break it down and start looking at like average stars, okay, Kansas all of a sudden moves into the upper half of the Big Twelve. I was looking at their class. If you were to bring in Colorado, Arizona, all the new schools coming in and take out Texas and Oklahoma of what the new Big 12, I think Kansas would rank third right now in average star ranking of the conference, which (laughs) I don't know when the last time I've ever said KU is sitting third in average star ranking in Big 12 recruiting rankings. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. Uh, So December early signing day is coming up here in, in a couple weeks. Is the expectation for all these guys to sign at the early signing period, or are there going to be maybe a couple that uh, are up in the air or, or maybe could sign at the later period? I'll tell you, I've been in touch with all of them here in the last seven to ten days, and if somebody is not going to sign, I have no idea who that's going to be because everybody sounds solid to me. I mean, you know, people worried about Deshaun Warner, you know, Ohio State and Michigan come in and offer him. I mean, gosh, everything I can tell – 
Derek is he he sounds solid. Hey, everybody that I've talked to sounds solid. I mean Isaiah Marshall. You know, you listen. You got a new coordinator coming in, but he told me he he you still got Lance Leipold there, and you still got Jim Zabrowski there, and you still got Chris Simpson, who's the linebackers coach at KU, who does a great job recruiting Detroit. So but there's still a lot of people in place for for the kids that you look down and go. Wow, could he be looking elsewhere, or might might he be looking elsewhere? Somebody said, you know, Michigan State with a new head coach. Do they come back in and try to make a play at Isaiah Marshall? Man, I think he's locked in. I think he's ready to sign, and he's going to report early, and he'll be here in in mid January. Are they done recruiting at the high school level at this point? Do you think for for this? Class? I think they, yeah, I do, I do. I think they are, and I think you know, uh, Grimes' son is maybe the only one that they could add. For, for a high school, and outside of that, I think it's going to be kind of a one-out, one-in with the portal. So for every guy that you see go in the portal, I think they'll replace that guy with a portal player. So this is not going to be, Derek, like the last couple classes where KU's out with like 10 and 12 guys in the portal. I think this portal, when it's all said and done, is probably going to be somewhere maybe four or five max guys in the portal. And I said this yesterday. You don't want KU to be active in the portal, okay? Because their number one goal right now is player retention. And they have put all their focus and all their resources into keeping the best players they have in the program to come back. And I told people this. If Kansas starts getting active in the portal, that's a bad sign. Because that means that some guys are leaving and entering the portal that they didn't want to enter the portal. Yeah, and I guess uh, this next question I'm going to have kind of depends on what you're just talking about there, that you know, if you lose somebody in the portal, maybe it changes what you're looking for in the portal at the other end. But as of right now, like what positions do you think are the most likely ads for KU in the transfer portal? Yeah, I've, I've really focused it down to like four, four positions. Uh, tight end, okay, and, and this weekend they've got a, a recruit named Deshaun Hanneke. He is from Iowa State. He's actually originally from Topeka, went to Butler County Community College. He told me last night he's going to come in and he's going to see a practice and then go to the Missouri game. It will be an unofficial visit, but he is a good-looking athletic kid, like 6'6", 240 pounds. When Iowa State was struggling on offense, I want to say he may have been top two in their team in receptions a year ago. And then defensive line, which is another interesting kid that came up last night, Ontario Thompson, who is at Iowa now. He played at Iowa Western Community College a year ago. I thought KU was in his top two or top three when he committed to Iowa. He just went in the portal. So there's a D lineman to kind of keep your eye on. And then I think linebacker and offensive line. So you got tight end, D line, offensive line, and linebacker. I think those are the four key positions they're looking at about filling a spot. When you talk offensive line, uh, is the expectation that they're looking for a center with the graduation of Mike Nowitzki? Do you think they're comfortable there rolling with Mike Ford at center, or, or do you think they're looking more for tackle? Like, is there a specific offensive line position, or is it more just find the best guy and then kind of figure out where everybody can play? Well, so far the guys that I've I've seen them show interest in are guards and tackles. So I haven't seen a true center in there. So that probably tells me you know Ford's been working quite a bit in practice at center and and he's been cross-training a lot here over the last year or two with Fook. So I think they feel comfortable moving him in there. So, I, you know, we'll just see how it goes. Again, if they add somebody, if everything stays the same, 
and maybe just a few kids enter the portal here over the next few weeks, I just I think they're just going to take one lineman if they can get him. Talking with John Kirby, Jayhawk Slant, and Rivals. I, I've seen a couple people ask me, like, do you think KU would would go after a quarterback in the transfer portal? I I've kind of lent lean no, and, and you didn't bring them up in the position there. But what do you think the the future of that QB room looks like? Like, obviously, this next year, Jalen Daniels, we know coming back, uh, you'd have a, a redshirt freshman, Cole Ballard, at that point because they were able to keep him out of the Cincinnati game. Obviously, Jason Bean departs. Um, Isaiah Marshall coming in as, as long as everything sticks true there. And then you look at the future beyond that, David McComb coming in in 2025. Like, uh, what do you what do you envision the future of this quarterback situation being? Because it feels like there's a lot of good names in that room, which is, uh, I guess, a good problem to have. Yeah, I think, you know, right now, I think it's pretty set. I, I think the fact that Isaiah Marshall is coming in in January and the fact that you saw Cole Ballard kind of come out of nowhere and do some good things when he came into play, I think that's got to make you feel better knowing that, hey, if there's an injury here or a setback here, you have guys that you believe in that can go in the game. Isaiah Marshall, that's huge for him to come in and understand the offense. When I was watching him playing his high school state championship game, well, I'll tell you, I, they, they do some of the, the QB run game and option stuff that they do what he does in high school. And, he you know, he throws the ball better than people think. So, you know, he, he comes in and gets a five-, six-month head start. That's a big deal for a quarterback to learn the, to learn the system early. So I, I have a feel right now they're going to kind of take a wait-and-see approach on a QB. Now, if something comes up in the spring, right, and all of a sudden let's just say Jalen Daniels, struggles getting through with his health or something. And I'm just throwing that out as, as a possibility. Then then you start <laughs> you start changing your thinking pretty quick. Let let's say you come in and 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 Cole Ballard gets dinged up in spring or let, let's say he doesn't have a good spring and they're like, oh boy, he's really struggled this spring. Maybe that changes their thinking. But I don't think right now as we sit, I, I just don't see a quarterback right now. So you mentioned earlier the player retention in the portal being the biggest thing for KU. What what is the biggest key to that? Is it conversations? Is it NIL? Like what are the biggest uh, factors in in retaining players right now for KU from going into the portal? Yeah, it's all of it's all of that, Derek. I mean the the, the big thing is is number one, it's going to be where you are on the depth chart and where do the coaches see you? Because every college in the country, the last about week. They are pe- people all over the country are meeting with their players behind the scenes, and they're doing the the evaluations, the exit interviews, and they're saying, "Hey, this is where we see you. Okay, we see you. We 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 maybe we don't see you getting on the field at all. Okay, and so they're telling guys. And then the other thing that's going on because see NIL ends here around December. Okay, so guys that were going to get their NIL dollars. They got it. Now there will be a new cycle that will start in the spring, okay, because if a kid's leaving, he's off the NIL, whether he's going to the portal, he's going to the NFL, he's graduating. So the the new NIL cycle will start here in January once kids report back. So these guys are getting the NIL figures and the reports from the collectives and things like that. So, and I've heard this. I've talked to people involved with NIL. What's going on is these guys kind of told what they're getting, and then they start shopping it around, okay? So they start going out and saying, hey, this is what I was offered at my current school. 
what can you get me? Or is, can someone beat this? And that's where a lot of this stuff starts when guys find out what they can get from other schools. Well, among, uh, I guess, some of the guys that I view as having, I guess, pro decisions possibly, and, and who knows if, if the portal would, would play out for any of these guys, but, uh, you know, Devin Neal, Austin Booker, Kobe Bryant, Melo Dotson, all guys that I, I think could leave for the NFL draft, and it wouldn't surprise me early at this point. Like, which of those four do you think would be most likely to go pro, and which of those do you think most likely would not go pro at the end of this uh, this year? Well, I mean, you could go down and make cases for all of them. I mean, you know, Devin Neal, you know, he, he probably could go. You know, I don't know where the advisory committee slots him in right now, what type of round pick. But, you know, Devin Neal's different than everybody else. You know, he's a face of the program. He's a hometown kid. Everybody knows him. He could go back to KU and ba- basically possibly rewrite some records, you know, in the record book. So, you know, Devin Neal has a reason to return, okay? I, I'm assuming on the back end he's probably taken care of fairly well or will be with NIL because that's just, that's just how it works in this landscape. You know, Kobe Bryant, again, you, you know, somebody told me the other day, Derek, they said, God, I think Kobe Bryant's, he's just as good as Aqib Kaleeb. And I went, man, hey, I like Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant's a really good football player, okay? But Aqib Kaleeb, when he came out of KU now, he was six foot one of 92. Yeah, I mean, he he looked like an NFL corner. You know, Kobe's probably 169, 170 pounds. So I don't know, you know, what NFL guys think of that. Obviously, his cover skills are good. Um, you know, Austin Booker, you know, he's a guy that's definitely projectable because he's 6'6", he's 240-some pounds, and, and guys are going to look at him and say, boy, he's got an upside, he's still young, we can put weight on him, or is it one of those things they say, hey, you go back to KU, you put 15, 20 pounds on it, you get to like 6'6", 255, and you play like you are now, then you're a definite draft pick. So I think there's things you can look down at each kid and say, yeah, they've got potential to be in the NFL, but does another year do them better? Yeah, I think that all makes sense. Uh, and, and obviously uh, we'll see a lot of those players. I mean, we haven't heard of any opt-outs or anything at, at this point in time. Uh, another time against UNLV in the guaranteed rate bowl. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on the bowl game for KU, the matchup with UNLV, and, and how KU's attendance is going to be? Yeah, you know, Derek, it, it's funny. We, we talked about the attendance the other day, and it, it, it's a hard bowl game. It's a hard bowl game for people to get to. And, and I've got some friends that have been longtime friends of mine that are hardcore KU football fans, and they wouldn't miss a bowl game. And I know a few of these guys aren't going to be able to make it, whether it's family in town or things around Christmas or, you know, travel costs being a little high to get there. And, and it, it, it's a rough one in terms of timing. You know, it's definitely, you're definitely not going to see the attendance at this thing near what you did the Liberty Bowl. I mean, that's that's about a fact. Now, in terms of the game, you know, I like Kansas. I like the way they, they stack up in this. I, I talked to a guy who covers UNLV the other day, and they run that three three five defense. And, God, it seems like KU faced an opponent every other week running the three three five. So they're, they're used to that. I think KU's definitely a better team. You know, but, you know, one of the things about a bowl game, Derek, is how, how much are you into the game? Okay, you know, look like an Ohio State. Okay, I mean, here they are playing in a non-playoff game. How pumped up will they be? Well, I'll tell you this: UNLV, from everything that I've talked to people who cover them, 
they're going to be jacked up to play. I mean, this is their first bowl game in a long time. It's about four or five hour drive from their home. Whatever fan base they have is probably going to show up. So, you know, UNLV is going to come to play. But if, if KU comes to play, they're the better team and should win that game. He is John Kirby. You can uh, check him out. Subscribe with Jayhawk Slant at Rivals. Uh, John, thank you for the time. As always, man, have a great week weekend. And uh, if you have any parting thoughts on, on how people can join the Slant and uh, get involved right now, let us know. All right, Derek. Thanks for having me. All right, that was John Kirby of Jayhawk Slant. Rivals joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Coming up next, we're going to get to a Chiefs-Bills preview. We've got some uh, KU women's soccer audio, our game picks, more KU basketball talk, and uh, some KU audio ahead of their game against Missouri. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, it's Derek Johnson from Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, and despite sitting around in a studio all day, I feel loose and limber thanks to Massage Envy and their total body stretch service. If you have aches from a day at the office, working out, maybe a round of golf, Massage Envy can help. All you need to do is relax and breathe deep during the stretches, and they'll take it from there. It's great for your body and your mind, and they also have rapid tension services and advanced skin care. Massage Envy on 6th Street in Lawrence and 119th in Black Bob in Aletha. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Certainly some interesting stuff there with John Kirby. We'll get to that later with our RCST replay as well. We got our game picks. We got KU basketball. More talk coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Kansas City Chiefs have a big one on Sunday, taking on the Buffalo Bills in Arrowhead. And everyone is hurt for Kansas City. Yeah. Yeah, it's rough. Uh, Zay Pacheco, out. Nick Bolton, out. Drew Tranquil, out. Uh, those are three very, very important individuals. So, uh, and I don't even know what the status of Donovan, Donovan Smith is either. I don't know. I if think he's they out said he's out too. Yeah. So, out. So, hello, Wanya Morris. Hello, Jack Cochran, who actually yep. played really well last week. And um, hello, old friend, Mr. Illair himself, Clyde Edwards Illair. Mm. He's back. Like he never left, which he never did leave, but no. now he's actually back starting. Is this his opportunity to. His opportunity to do what? I, I don't know, to gain some. Some love back from no, the fan base, maybe? The, I, I, I feel bad saying this, but I think Clyde is at a point where I don't think it matters what he could do. People are just not going to like him in, in Kansas City. But maybe this is the game. Like, like, if you beat the Bills no, with you being the guy. No. Okay. He'd have to run for, like, 200 yards and, like, five touchdowns. He ran for, like, 160 against them in, what, 2020? <laughs> Why not? What if he just owns I, the Bills? I don't know, maybe. I don't know. So, yeah, that's not good. And then you, you add to that. That the Bills are desperate right now. The Bills are out of the playoffs, and uh, it, it's not that far off for them to make it because they're six and six right now. Seven and five gets you in with the right tiebreaker. Yeah, but you look at the upcoming schedule for the Bills too. Versus Dallas next week, tough at the Chargers. After that game, that could be maybe they should tough. win, but that's not I like know. you know. I guess a slam dunk. The Patriots at home should be able to win that, and then they're at know, Miami. Man. Patriots, no, sneaky frisky. they're not going there. And then they're at Miami to finish out the season. You could very easily lose two of those games. So, oh, mean, if you lose this one, you're probably looking at eight or nine losses, and at that point, you're clearly not making the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, to make the playoffs, at minimum, you have to be 10-7 and seven this year in the AFC, I think. Probably. Well, I don't know. Maybe. I guess it's we'll possible see. with the Steelers fading and the Browns having no quarterback and all this stuff that, yeah, yeah. other stuff could happen. But, like— yeah. The Bills are desperate, point blank. Like, they, they yes. really need to win this game. And they're coming off a bye week. Now, on the flip but side of that— It was a bit of a tumultuous bye week because of the stuff Sean that McDermott came out with Sean stuff. McDermott. 
Some weird <laughs> stories that he to- tells from a lady who got, uh, what, like abandoned and uh, died? Yeah, she on- was stuck on the, uh, yeah, drove into the Niagara River, got stuck. There was that one. There was the there was 9-11, 9/11 story, which that, not great. Yeah, pretty bad. Uh, Yeah, really strange. Yeah. Really, really strange stuff. And I mean, if we're talking uh, desperate, like the Chiefs aren't desperate, desperate, but they've lost three of five. This is a big deal for them, too. When you put it that way, it seems a little more. It does. Yeah. And for the Chiefs, like you have to kind of approach this as you have a chance to deliver a kill shot to the Bills. Like the last thing you want if you're the Chiefs, especially right now when it's looking like they're not the favorites to be the one seed, they could still get it, but it's looking like you're going to have to play a division or a uh, wild card game. Worst thing that could happen is you get the two or the three seed, and or, you have like the Bills, who all of a sudden are hot at the end of the year, make it in at ten and seven, and you have to play them in the first round. Yeah. Deliver the kill shot now. Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly why the Chiefs are going to lose this game <laughs> because they can't do it. I don't think they can do it in the regular season. But they and they normally don't try to do it in the regular season anyway. So yeah, I've been saying all week, Chiefs are going to lose. I feel very confident the Chiefs will lose. You, usually come you are out. the most confident. Like you, you've said this before, <laughs> you're the the Lou Holtz quote from uh, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Catholics versus on convicts. Monday. Yeah. yeah, on Monday you have no chance. You're the worst team ever. Tuesday you have a snowball's chance in hell. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> Wednesday, okay, you're pretty good. Thursday you're elite. Friday you never lose another game, and then you play on Saturday, mm-hmm. or in this case on Sunday. But in this case, no, I don't. I, no, the Chiefs are gonna. <laughs> I've never seen you so like adamant that. I know, because normally I'm the delusional you know. guy that's like, oh, she's going to win it no matter what, you know. See, but I don't know if that makes me more willing to be like, okay, so, yeah, the what Chiefs do you are think? fine now. So, because I think the Chiefs are destined to lose. Honestly, that, that makes me think? feel better. About the Chiefs? Yeah, it does. <laughs> for some weird reason uh, around it. So I guess what what scares you most uh, that the Bills do well? Well, I mean, listen, they have the Terminator. Josh, regular season Terminator. Sorry. Regular season Terminator. Josh He's Allen. been kind of the turnover-inator <laughs> so far this year. But, you know, he – the thing with the Bills is, I think, in a weird way, what scares me most is the fact that they are coming into Arrowhead knowing that they can win because they've done it in the past, especially in the regular season. So while, yes, they're desperate, they're like their back's against the wall, this is not a situation where they're going into this thinking like, oh, man, how are we going to overcome this? Like, we can't – no, they, they, they've won here. They've won at Arrowhead – Previously, in the regular season, they dominated actually at Arrowhead in the in the regular season. Previously, so I, I think that's probably what the scariest thing is: is that I think Josh Allen can turn on Terminator, Terminator mode at any moment. I think he could he could also turn on turnover mode too, like you pointed out. But uh, yeah, he's he's a very very dangerous dangerous player. Uh, I think that's what that's what's got got to scare you the most because the Bills, I think, are are in position right now where. Josh Allen, they need him. They need him to turn it on. And I, and I don't – the thing is, is having never been in, like, inside an NFL locker room, like, as a player or as, like, a staffer or anything like that, who the hell knows how this Sean McDermott stuff is, play, is like, <laughs> playing out in the locker room, right? Like, is it, like – Does it galvanize exactly. them? Exactly. Like, Stop like, picking on our coach. Yeah, does it, like, weirdly bring everyone, everyone yeah. together? Or is it, like, this this further splintering of, like, dude, this guy's weird and he says a lot of weird stuff? Like – Dude, I don't know. But also, it shouldn't surprise you. If you pay attention to the NFL, a lot of the a lot of NFL coaches and NFL guys, they're weird people. You have to be weird to be so incredibly invested in football. You just have to be weird. I mean, I think I think that's pretty clear. That's pretty obvious. 
Uh, by the way, Josh Allen in three regular season games against the Chiefs for his career has 900 total yards, nine total touchdowns, to one interception. So he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one interception obviously is the big thing there because, as you said, he's been the turnover inator. Not really against the Chiefs, but not against the Chiefs in the regular season. Now this is a better Chiefs defense than he has ever seen. Minus two of their starting middle linebackers, so they have that is a problem. Mister Cochran. Making the play calls out there. This feels like a game where the Chiefs' defensive line needs to pick it up. Well, okay, you go back to the Green Bay game, and it was interesting. What actually started working for the Chiefs' defense is they stopped blitzing. When they stopped blitzing, they actually started to slow down Jordan Love. So I, I don't know. Maybe this is a game where you do, where maybe you don't blitz Josh Allen and say, you know what, Josh, you're you're going to turn the ball over. You're going to do something dumb. We're going to drop seven and and do and whatever, and we're going to let you make the mistakes. I don't know. Maybe honestly, that's not a bad. That might not be a bad strategy. I'll be very interested in it because actually, last year when they played in the regular season, like they had more success when they were blitzing him. Uh, as far as where I think the Chiefs have the edge, the Bills defense, like for a couple of those years where the Bills were this huge threat and were winning their division, and you know played the Chiefs in the division round or played the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. It's not just that they had the elite offense with Josh Allen. It's because they had, like, a top-five defense. And yeah. by some metrics, some of those stats, those years, they had, like, the number-one defense. Yeah, That defense has fallen off. Part of it's because of injuries. Like, Matt Milano yep. got hurt earlier this year. Von Miller's going through some weird stuff. I think Von and, Miller and is supposed of the to year. play, though. Yeah, he's got enough, some weird off-the-field stuff. Which is weird. But, um, yeah. there's that. I mean, they, they've had injuries all over. Uh, maybe they've gotten a bit older. They're only 16th in DVOA on defense. So, I, I do actually think that... As much as the Bills' defense has typically been good, and I still don't fully trust the Chiefs' offense, which is weird to say with Patrick Mahomes, I, I do think the Chiefs' offense should be okay in this game. Yeah, but they've been bad to okay in right. a lot of games. Is that good enough to win? I don't know. You probably need like, twenty plus. In the this, Chiefs' right? when okay, think about this. If you would have said, I think the Chiefs, I think the Chiefs' offense will be okay in like 2019, 2020. Okay, in those years meant like they're going to score twenty eight points. Okay for the twenty twenty three Chiefs offense means like they're bad. Yeah, no, it's, it's certainly. I mean, when and listen, I don't think in the, the expectation. I don't think the loss of Isaiah Pacheco can be overstated. I mean, that's a significant loss oh, because they had been leaning on him pretty heavily in recent games when other guys when guys can't catch the ball or have been unable to, to execute. Right, so you're not gonna be able to do that with Clyde. I don't think, unless Clyde. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe Clyde's gonna. Maybe LSU Clyde is going to trot out there, and he's just going to go nuts. I have no idea. I don't think that'll happen. I would be pretty shocked if it does. I'm not banking on it. But with no Isaiah Pacheco, the pressure's the pressure's now on Mahomes even more. I think, right? And guys like MVS, guys like uh, you know Justin Watson, Travis Kelsey's you know got to step. I don't know if there's any indication that uh, Mrs. Kelsey's going to be there. Taylor Swift. So uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll pick that game in game picks later in the show. One hour down, two to go. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. It's that time of the week on Rock Chalk Sports Talk for game picks of the biggest games ahead from this weekend. Well, that sounds great. And you know what? It'll be nice having a little extra cash to bet on college football. Right here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Yeah, I'd like to bet 100 bucks. You want to pick a team? No, just take it. The time for game picks of RCST here on KLWN. Of course, there's uh, only one D1, or, or I guess FBS game this this weekend. 
But FCS playoffs that time of year. True. And then yeah. next week we get back into bowl games and, and By all the way, sort of stuff. My boys at UIW robbed of the FCS playoffs. Oh, they got left out this year? Robbed. Yes. Absolutely robbed. They should not have been what they were. Mm. Terrible. What was the record? They were they were like nine and two with a loss to an FBS team. Mm. And I don't remember what their loss was, but they got they got robbed. Okay. Well, in honor of them, we will be picking uh, some of the FCS games. <laughs> all right, you are eighty one and sixty four and five. I am seventy five, seventy two and three. We'll start in college football where you're 32 and 31 after a two and three week. And I am 27 and 36 after a two and three week as well. We have number seven, Furman at number two, Montana. The Grizzlies are giving up 17. Yeah, man. I'm going to go with Montana here. Uh, They have been really, really strong all season long. And dude, there's just something different about uh, those those, uh, Montana, Montana State schools. So I'm going to roll with Montana here. Listen, Furman coming from South Carolina. Probably going to be really cold. Probably going to be snowy in Montana. They're not going to handle that weather. Montana, baby. Mm, Montana to the bank? Yes. I, I like Montana, too. Uh, now, obviously, you know, FCS football, this is not like... We're not the most knowledgeable people, so this is probably... <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is probably not something... But anyway, Montana's been a wagon so far this year. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. a tough place to play. They play at high altitude. Beautiful stadium. Uh, like you said, the cold weather. They'll know how to play in it. Give me Montana minus 17. Mm. Number eight, Villanova is at number one, South Dakota State, who is minus 20. Yeah, uh, South Dakota State, uh, they actually, I just read a story this morning, actually, about uh, kind of their rise and what they've done to, to become one of the top FCS programs. They've taken over and, for uh, North Dakota yeah, State? Yeah, I think they kind of are. Mm. I think they kind of are. So I'm going to go with I'm gonna go with South Dakota State here. I like South Dakota State in this one. Yeah, so I, I was reading an article from uh, Bill Connolly of ESPN for uh, SP Plus who, who does that, and he was saying that Villanova, he has them as a top five team in FCS right now. But even then, South Dakota State is a wagon. They right now... I mean, in their first playoff game, South Dakota State won 41-0. Yeah, so uh, Bill Connolly was saying if South Dakota State, if he was ranking them, like if you were putting the FCS and the FBS teams together on a ranking... Okay. He, he has done some studies that typically you have to account for a 28-point, basically, loss in efficiency or margin or whatever okay. when you're moving teams up from, from one to another. Even with that loss of efficiency uh, of the average, I guess you would have, they would be ranked 24th in FBS wow. right now. South Dakota State's a wagon. Give me them wow. minus 20 That's points. That's crazy. That is crazy. Uh, Army-Navy. This is an awesome game. Army's giving up three points. Yeah. Uh, give me Army. Give me Army in this one. I like Army. Uh, they've been, you know, Navy's kind of fallen off a little bit. Remember, Navy had the streak of, what, 14, 15 in a row? Mm-hmm. And then Army finally broke it, and now Army's kind of getting some wins in there. Uh, go Army. Mm. Go Army. My, my grandpa was in the Army. Okay. Well, I have, my grandpa was in the Navy. Oh. And a couple of my aunts and uncles were in the Navy. Mm. So, wow, we're going with Navy in this one, plus three points. They end that uh, little losing streak there. Okay. All right, number five, Albany is at number four, Idaho. The uh, Vandals are giving up four points. Dude, yeah, the Vandals, listen, if I'm if I was an Idaho fan, which I don't know if they have fans or not, but if they if if I was an Idaho fan, man, I'd be ticked off about getting booted out of FBS. Okay, they're down in FCS now. So what better way, what better way to stick it to the FBS than to just go out and win the FCS championship? Be like, mm. see, look, we're good enough. We can do it, you know, in our two thousand person arena or stadium that we play in. Uh, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of the stadium. Remember, it's like it's it's like it's like a barn. 
for Idaho. Uh, you know what I'm about? I know what you're talking. I don't. Is it actually a barn? I know no, it's, it's like not indoor, a, isn't it's it? It's not a barn, but it looks like a barn, and it's really tiny. But it's like indoor. Yeah, it's indoor. And the the field goal like uprights are like adjacent to a wall, basically, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The oh, the Kibby, the Kibby Stadium, or the Kibby Stadium, Kibby Dome. Dome. Yeah, Kibble. So this, uh, okay. Google claims that it holds sixteen thousand people. There's no way, because <laughs> dude, you don't know how many times I've played NCAA Football 14, and to boost my to boost my stats, I would play at Idaho, and I would just absolutely steamroll them. You realize the it has been ten years since that game come out came out, and it's possible they could have done <laughs> some stadium renovation, right? All I'm saying is the Idaho of NCAA Football 14, they get a beatdown from my teams at least once a year. Okay. I go there to get an easy W, and I play on. At Idaho. So, okay. Because, you know, it makes me feel better. Because I don't like playing FCS Midwest or FCS East or whatever whatever in NCAA Football 14. So I'll just play at Idaho. At Idaho. And I'll be like, see, I'm playing on the road. You know, hostile environment at the Kibbe Dome. Then blow them out by 70. And then, you know, go, go on my, my way. I'm going to Albany. Uh, locks of the week. College, you're 5-7-1. and one. I'm 9-4. and four. What do you like this week? I'm doubling down. Wait. Dude, you totally missed, uh, you missed one of our picks. I did? Yeah. North Dakota State, South Dakota. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. That was going to be State is yeah, okay. minus six and a half at number three. I, South I was wondering, I was like, I wanted to talk about this game. Okay, yeah, so North Dakota State, unranked. They've won two. They won the two games in the playoffs. They're playing at number three South Dakota. They are six and a half point favorites on the road, and they lost at home by five points to South Dakota earlier in the season. Mm. Make it make sense or don't. Just go with the chaos. North Dakota State minus six and a half. Um, yeah, I'm going to go South Dakota. They're playing at home. I, I am not embracing the chaos on this one. Uh, but my lock is going to well, be Army-Navy. Yeah. I'm doubling down on my lock of the week. Yeah. My lock of the week is North Dakota State also. Mine's going to be under on the Army-Navy game. It's a 28. It's usually That's such a low number, but it, I don't know. They just run the ball and everything. Okay, on to the NFL, where on the season you are 39-19, and 4-1 and last week. Ooh. I'm 34-25, and 25, also 4-1 and one last week. Jacksonville at Cleveland, the Browns minus three. Dude. Talk about a stinky, terrible game. You got the Browns' fifth-string quarterback, Joe Flacco. I think is he going to start? I think. I don't know. Joe Flacco versus C.J. Beathard. Mm. Right, the pride of Iowa. C.J. Beathard. Give me Jacksonville. We'll find a way. I'm going to go with Cleveland. I'm going to steer into the defense in a battle of uh, bad quarterbacks. L.A. Rams at Baltimore Ravens. Ravens minus seven and a half. Yeah, I think the Ravens are going to win by more than seven and a half. I'll take the Ravens here. I think, listen, the Ravens, especially at home, they have blown out bad teams that are not divisional opponents. Rams fit in that category. Plus, you got the jet lag. You got the jet lag going east to west or going west to east. Ravens. I will go with the Rams. I think they can at least keep it close here. Uh, Seattle is at San Francisco. The 49ers are minus ten and a half. Yeah, this is a big line that keeps getting bigger, by the way. Uh, it's been shifting in favor of San Francisco, so I don't really know what to think of that. Uh, I, San Francisco has been really, really good. I was tempted to pick Seattle initially earlier today. I did write down Seattle, but I am changing. I've had a change of heart. Give me the Niners here. I think they will absolutely steamroll. So Kyle Shanahan's I think won three or four in a row against Seattle, but overall Pete Carroll has like a winning record against Kyle Shanahan, and then Shanahan does really well against McVay. McVay does really well against Carroll. I'm steering into that with uh, double-digit spread. Give me Seattle. Buffalo is at Kansas City. Chiefs minus one and a half. Yeah, it's time to put my money where my mouth is, right? All week long. Oh, the Bills, the Bills, the Bills. Oh, the Buffalo Bills are going to win the game. Oh. So what do I do? I guess I got to pick Buffalo. I don't, know. I don't think I have a choice. I'm taking Buffalo. They're, I mean, they're desperate. Too. It would be shameful of me 
Yeah. To sit here and pick the Chiefs. No, they're desperate. They're off a bye. Chiefs are beat up. I, I think there's a lot of reasons to pick Buffalo here. Philadelphia is at Dallas Sunday Night Football. Cowboys minus three and a half. The Dallas Cowboys cannot beat good teams. The Eagles, are they a good team? Mm. I don't know. They've been, you could argue they're kind of frauds. The if they the Cowboys win this game, it's going to be like, oh, the Eagles are frauds. They still have a good team. You know? 100%. <laughs> 100%. So stupid. Yeah. Yes, no, the narrative, if if the Cowboys do win, I'm going to come on Monday and be like, well, the Cowboys haven't been a good team. <laughs> yeah. They can't be good teams because the Eagles don't aren't good. They're frauds. Uh, but I'll go I'll go Philadelphia here. I think I think they just – Philadelphia this season, and they're, they're definitely really good, but there's been some games where I feel like they've been kind of failing upwards where they probably shouldn't have necessarily won all those games. I think that will continue because the Cowboys cannot win close clutch games. Cowboys lose. Eagles – Win. Cowboys have been really good at home. I just think they're a better team than the Eagles. Give me Dallas. I think they are too. That's why it doesn't make any sense, but I still think the Eagles are going to win. Lock of the week, NFL. We're both five and seven. Dude, another week where you look at the NFL slate and you're kind of like, hey, oh, ah, kind of like hurts a little bit. Uh, My lock of the week, I'm going to go with the Texans. Houston Texans. Taking on the uh, New York Jets. Minus three and a half. CJ Stroud's for real. Texans find a way to get a W, and they are in position make the playoffs, especially if they win against yeah. the Jets. I'm going Detroit-Chicago over 42-and-a-half. Lions defense has kind of been leaking fuel over the back and half the of the Bears defense so stinks. Yeah. All right, we're going to do rapid fire on this. we got some college basketball lines. Number 20, Illinois at number 17, Tennessee minus six. Oh, man. Rapid I, fire. I'll go Tennessee. I'll go Illinois. Alabama is <laughs> at number four, <laughs> Purdue. What? Time out. Are you just going to pick the opposite of everything I pick? Not necessarily. Uh, Alabama's <laughs> at number four, Purdue. The Boilermakers are giving up six. Uh, Alabama. Okay, I'm going to go opposite again. I'm taking Purdue. <laughs> uh, number 23, Wisconsin is at number one, Arizona. The Wildcats are giving up eight and a half. Arizona. I'm also going opposite. I'm going to take uh, Wisconsin <laughs> on this one. I think they can maybe frustrate them with slower tempo. Arkansas at number 19, Oklahoma minus four. I can't I can't pick clown face McGee muscle. <laughs> Must bust goes off a cliff. Oklahoma. I'm going Arkansas. <laughs> Uh, I, I think Oklahoma is really good, but I think Arkansas the talent shows up. Number fourteen BYU minus four at Utah, future Big Twelve matchup. It's time for BYU to lose. I'm sick and tired of seeing them in the top ten in Ken Palm, Utah. I was gonna take Utah, but because I've gone opposite of you from everyone so far, <laughs> I'm gonna switch. I'm taking BYU. That, that's that's wow, Love incredible. That. All right, uh, that is our game picks for the week. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Let's get to our KU game picks. Rock Chalk, Pickahawk, KU Missouri Talk coming up on the other side. We also have some KU basketball audio to share for you in the 5 o'clock hour. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. 5 o'clock hour on RCST on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. we got your KU game coming at you tomorrow. 2.30 pregame tip-off at 4.15 between Kansas and and Missouri right here on KLWN and our sister station, 105.9 KISS. So uh, Missouri, a team that uh, has a couple, you know, I don't know, not great losses, one to a good team, but by a lot, the other to a bad team, but they've kind of picked it up of late. They play at a high tempo offensively, but they play at a slow tempo defensively. They'll pressure you. They'll get steals. They shoot a lot of threes. So should be an interesting matchup for KU in this one. We are going to do our Rock Chalk Pickahawk and then our KU basketball game picks. Uh, so I'm seven and four on the season. Nick is four and seven sure in about that? Rock Chalk Peacock. I am sure about that. Yeah, I would uh, take that to the bank. In <laughs> fact, uh, if you're new to the game, you get one point for every point you score. You get two points for every rebound and assist. You get three points for every block or steal, and you lose a point for every minute that you play. I have the first pick. What shall I take? 
What shall you take? Because I think you can actually have a discussion now about the first pick. Yeah, so this is tough. So, uh, I mean, Hunter Dickinson has been the go-to option, but there have been a lot of games that Kevin McCuller has outscored in this format, Hunter Dickinson. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You can you can have a conversation. Missouri's number one player on uh, Evan Miyakawa's website for defense is Connor Vanover. Mm. He's only playing 12 minutes a game, but it's up to like 20 minutes per game over the last two. They've got some centers they can throw out there. They can play a small ball center, make things difficult on them. They got another seven footer who's a freshman. <clears throat> I if if Caleb Grill and, and Tamar Bates are playing the three, which for the most part they do for for Missouri, both of them have been fine on defense. But I like that matchup for Kevin McCuller. I am going with Kevin McCuller. Wow! For the first time in the last maybe the whole season, mm-hmm. it's not Hunter Dickinson first. That, that's interesting. Yeah, I think the other thing with Hunter Dickinson is. You know, Missouri, besides Connor Vanover, they don't maybe necessarily have the size, but they, they have the bodies maybe to where they just maybe they just decided to do kind of what Kansas City was doing where they just throw guys at him maybe. and try to knock him off his line and frustrate him. I mean, I I don't know. I don't think it's a bad strategy, to be honest. Uh, I have to go with Hunter Dickinson here. Right. Uh, obviously. Makes that so, one easy. Uh, yeah, Hunter Dickinson. Your next pick is not so easy, though. Next pick is tricky. Dwan Harris in Pickahawk is just not really that good. Because he doesn't score a lot and he plays a lot of minutes. Uh, Marco Jackson has not been great in Pickhawk either. Johnny Furphy has been okay, but I think there's a clear pick here. Mr. K.J. Adams. K.J. Adams Jr., baby. Lock it in. And he has an interesting matchup. Noah Carter is very similar to him. He's yeah, a you described him as a bowling, bowling ball. ball. Yeah, he's 6'6", 235. By the way, okay, we need to break that down. Okay. Bowling ball. Is that a... Is that a term of endearment, or is that... I think it's a term of endearment. Are you sure about like that? bowl people over. Yeah. That's awesome. I'd love to be a bowling ball, just knocking people to the side and stuff. <laughs> but yeah, Noah Carter's okay. good. All right. All right. And he's a big guy. So. I'm glad we cleared the air on that. Yeah. Um, I will go with Dewan Harris. Maybe he's more aggressive in this game because of the fact he's playing Missouri. I mean, we know he's from Columbia, Missouri. He took yeah. pride in, in beating them last year. So um, I think he's more aggressive in this game. And Sean East, Missouri's other point guard at the other end, he's a really good offensive player. He's not the best defensive player. So I think Dewan Harris can have a bit of a, a scoring edge in this game, a little more than at least we're used to. Give me Dewan Harris. And then my next pick, I'm going to go with another guy with an opportunity to uh, play against, I don't, I don't know, for a little bit of, like with Dewan, it's just he's from Columbia. Parker Brown was at Missouri for his first two years. Mom played at Missouri, everything like that. Um, if Hunter Dickinson maybe gets in foul trouble in this game, or if you know you're just looking to maybe throw Parker Brown out there to give you too big basketball, or for whatever reason, I think Parker Brown's been efficient and done his job well so far off the bench. He's been good for Pickhawk because he doesn't play a ton of minutes, and usually you're going to grab a couple of rebounds out there being the center. Parker Brown. You just wanted to make sure that I didn't pick Parker Brown. Yep, I have a monopoly on him. <laughs> well, that's fine. I'll take a monopoly on Johnny Furphy. Okay. Vegemite Dynamite from three, baby, in the corners. I, I, I like Johnny Furphy here. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think, you know, he's – we had this discussion. Is he in the circle of trust? Eh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But he's he's the, he's the first guy off the bench, and he's playing the most out of anybody off the bench. Johnny Furphy. Okay. You have – I don't know. Do you want to do five or four? Well, uh, I don't know. What do you think? I'm leaning four, but if this game goes the same way the last two went – I know. You that's might get what, some walk-ons I, that's, in there. That's what I was thinking, too. Uh, we can go five. I mean, worst case, the walk-ons don't, don't play, play, and it's zero. So. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. All right, so we're going five? Yeah. 
All right, so I have two. All right, okay. The, the choice here is El Marco. How much do I believe in Nick Timberlake? Does he get going? I, I Give me El Marco. Give me El Marco. Okay. Marco Jackson. So I have two straight picks to uh, finish but then I have a pick. off. Yes. Yeah. For my own team. Um, yeah, but your team stinks. Hmm. I will go with Jamari McDowell. You know, maybe in a game where Missouri is shooting a lot of threes and their guards are getting out. Like, maybe this is a game that Bill Self would go back to Jamari McDowell and be like, I want to trust his defense. I need guys who I can trust to be out there and guard their But see, wouldn't that be bad for you? Because if he ends up playing a lot more minutes and he doesn't do anything else on the statue, he's just playing defense. Possibly, yes. But he's done a pretty good job grabbing rebounds and, you know, hitting the occasional three. Yeah. When I say maybe he plays more, that could be 12 minutes, though. I, I don't be. think it's like a Tennessee game. Or it could game. be 27. I don't think that's going to happen again. And then my other pick, I'm going to go Michael Jankovic. Mm. If this does turn into a blowout, you know, we saw it a couple years ago when they played in Allen Fieldhouse uh, when Chris Tehan hit the three to put him over 100 points, and it was about yeah. as loud as I can remember Allen Fieldhouse being, especially <laughs> for a moment like that. Uh, maybe he gets in and, and splashes one. Yeah. Well, I see that you have strategically <laughs> left a certain individual on the board here. Yeah, Dylan Wilhite is there. <laughs> yeah, so uh, listen, people may people may not realize this, but I am actually the number one fan of Nick Timberlake. Okay. The biggest fan. The most significant fan. So you're taking him. Biggest fan of all time. So you have to take I him. I mean, he, there's not a bigger fan than me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm the president of the fan club. Okay, so I'm just penciling in Nick Timberlake. <laughs> I'll, I'll take Nick Timberlake. Okay. You're I'm probably going to lose because of that, but I don't care. <laughs> all right. Those are your picks. Uh, what about our KU basketball game picks? So far this year, you, sir, are 17-6. and six. Mm. I'm 15-8. and eight. So that means if you've been tailing our picks, you'd be 32-14. and 14. Wow, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. But the, but we're picking the same thing, so that, that I don't Sometimes. Really think that would work. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, like the player props, we're picking differently. Now, I guess that's uh, lines are out for the game. We do not have player props out for the game yet. So, I mean, if you want, we can just kind yeah. of recklessly say Speculate. I would take the over <laughs> on this because I like his matchup and I don't care what the number is going to come out as. Yeah. Um, that's up to you. But uh, right now we do know the line is Kansas minus 13, and the over-under is 143. Let's start with the minus 13. What do you like? Oh, man. So what? Kansas has won the last two games against Missouri by 65? Like, combined 65 points. Something like that, yeah. I mean, they've been blasting them. Mm-hmm. 95-67 last year, over 100 the year before. And they also beat them by 30 in the exhibition or more. I don't even remember. The exhibition was just as bad. I think that one was closer, wasn't it? I don't think it was. By the way, what are your thoughts on this? I know they call it the Border Showdown now. Do you care if it's called Border War? No, it should be Border War. I like Border War better. Border War is definitely way better. Way better. Anyway. So, who, wait, on. who's calling it the Border Showdown? That's what it's officially called now. Why? Who did that? Uh, the people who thought Border War was offensive, who do I, I guess. Who do I need I to know. send an angry letter to about this? Or an angry uh, email? Laura Kelly? Does I'll this do go it. all the way to the top? I'll do it. You know. we got to get I, I have, politics I will, involved. I will, I, I will get Brett Yormark involved. <laughs> Because I just love, I just love Brett Yormark getting involved with anything. I'll get him involved. Whoever needs to be involved, I'll get to the bottom of this. Because, yeah. dude, it's it no, needs Brett to be Yormark, different. Brett Yormark sees the email that you have titled "Border War" and he's like, "What are you talking about? We're playing a game in Mexico already." <laughs> anyway, that's that's my uh, politics joke for the day. All right, uh, Kansas is minus thirteen. Yeah, it should be border war, border showdown, dumb. Because you have the sunflower showdown. It needs to be different. Mm-hmm. What are we doing? I'll take Kansas. I, I see no reason. Uh, the only again, the only thing that really concerns me, foul trouble. Sure. So I'm picking Kansas to win the game. I, I want to get that out of the way. I think Kansas wins the game. Uh, I don't want to make this the other way. I just like 
when you're playing a rivalry game, it's hard to blow out a team every single time. Like, you know what I mean? Like, eventually, I guess some game is going to be closer than you'd expect. I could see Kansas winning this by 10, 11 points. Eight, like, if Missouri comes out and they're hitting threes because they take a lot of them, that's how they can make this closer game. I think they're going to make this a much more competitive game than it has been the past couple of years. Yeah. Uh, to the point that I am taking Missouri. They're playing good right now. But again, I'm picking Kansas to win overall. I just... I. I think that's a lot of points in a rivalry game where they've been spanked the last two years, and they're going to be highly motivated coming into this game. Maybe. maybe. The over-under is 143. 143. Uh, well, if if I'm operating under the assumption that KU is going to blast them again, I will happily take the over. Yeah, I'm going to take the over, too. So Missouri likes to play fast offensively, but they have a slow tempo against defensively because sometimes they play these weird zones and it takes time to figure out the defense. But they're going to want to get up and run when they want. When KU breaks the press, when when they're pressuring the ball, it's going to give them some quick, easy, open shots. Uh, they could shoot a lot of threes. I think there's a lot of avenues this game could well, end up over. Think about it this way for Missouri, too. I mean, the Memphis game, they scored 55. Besides that, their next lowest game that they scored was 68. They scored 70 or more in every other game. And if they even get... You know, I don't know. Yeah, if they if they get sixty, even sixty in this game, like Kansas could get the rest by themselves, right? Yeah. So yeah, I, I like that one. Okay, do you want to do a prop? I mean, we don't have them out there, but is there a player that you like their matchup where you're like, okay, I'd be interested in maybe taking that? Yeah, I was on. I've been on KJ Adams rebounds the past couple games, and he's been that's been hitting. Uh, I don't know if they'll raise the number on it now that he's had more rebounds. So if it's games. like if it's because it's what it, would the it number have to be three and a half to four, yeah. but he's been getting like six, seven rebounds the past couple of games. So if it was four or below, you take like, the over. Yeah, four and a half, five, four and a half, four and a half would be your cutoff. Four okay. and a half, I would take. So KJ over four and a half rebounds or below. Yeah, I've been I'll, riding I'll, that. I'll, I'll keep, I'll keep okay. going with it. Um, I picked Kevin McCuller for, but I see Kevin. You could convince me they're going to eventually boost his number to like eighteen and nineteen instead of like what it's been like fifteen, sixteen. Oh, first points, yeah. I'm going to go with Hunter Dickinson, whatever it's going to be, over points plus rebounds plus assists. I think he wants to put on a so show. You, you think this is going to be a Hunter Dickinson try game? I think it is. And anytime he gets the opportunity to kind of be a little bit of a villain, you're playing a rival. That's true. Yeah. No, this could be a huge game for him. Absolutely. So I'll <laughs> take Hunter Dickinson points plus rebounds plus assists, uh, whatever it ends up being. All right. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We got some KU audio from Dewan Harris, Parker Brown coming up next. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that'd be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter. RCST1320AM at gmail.com. That's RCST1320AM at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of your day and see you next podcast.